Today's episode of Beyond the Mask is presented by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. Get a free consultation today to be guided through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Just visit crnafinancialplanning.com. Beyond the Mask is also sponsored by crnaeducation.com. CRNAs, you can get the CE credits you need by just going to crnaeducation.com. They have over 100 AANA prior approved credits, all four core CPC modules, and even over 40 pharmacology credits. No subscriptions, it's all online and mobile friendly. Just go to crnaeducation.com. And don't forget, listening to our podcast can earn you Class B credits. For more information on how you can submit them, check out our CE credit tab on our website, beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs and advanced practice nurses with certified financial planner Jeremy Stanley and CRNA Sharon Pierce. Jeremy Stanley has worked with CRNAs for more than 23 years, and Sharon Pierce is a former president of the AANA and the NCANA. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA and advanced practice nurse industries. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7. Good morning, Sharon. How are you doing this morning? for another wonderful day and another wonderful show. Absolutely, and I'm in control because I got the board. I'm doing the You taping. are in control. You know, How's it you know feel? what I'm, <laughs> I'm starting to get kind of used to this, you know. I mean, it's kind of nice just showing up, putting the headset on and talking and, you know, kind of being the eye candy of the show. You See, know? You, mean, now you're like me. Well, a- another great topic today that uh, we've got lined up, and I think this is pretty timely. Uh, it, it absolutely is timely. Well, it's yeah. always timely, this yeah. topic. Well, today we have with us Richard Wilson. Richard, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Sharon, for having me. Yeah, we're glad for you to be on today. And Why don't you uh, tell our listeners a little bit about you? Maybe people haven't heard of you or don't know you about your background, and then kind of introduce your topic. Yeah, I'll be glad to. So Richard Wilson, I am a nurse anesthetist in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, I graduated in 2006. I started practicing at a level one trauma center and had gotten involved in some education there uh, with a little bit of clinical um, coordinator for the facility. And in 2009, 2010, we decided we wanted to expand our services, expand our education. And I opened a satellite campus for the University of South Carolina and have been overseeing all of the clinical and didactic training for a subset of students. Uh, We started with six students in 2010. We just um, started our um, last class uh, again here in May, and we've expanded to 13 students. So we've been able to really double the size uh, of that. I've been involved in education ever since 2010, doing a number of topics with lecturing, uh, with uh, didactic material, been in clinical coordination, scheduling, management, all of that, and really just got involved with how do we make our next generation even better? Uh, How do we provide uh, training? How do we provide uh, leadership uh, training, mentorship for the next generation? Because eventually I'm going to be out of this just like everybody else. And I want that next group to come through and basically get what I got, which was great leadership training, great mentorship, 
Um, and so that they can come in and be that next generation that takes this profession uh, to the next level. So it's been great to have that over the last couple of years. I've been heavily involved as an expert consultant in a mentorship program that uh, we really look at the nurses that want to come in. We had the idea that if we can make them better nurses, make them better trained as nurses, higher education levels there, then they're going to be better students, better applicants, better students who come out as better practitioners. So we've really been moving that mentorship kind of needle from just from when they get into school. But how do we prepare them now before they get into school so that it really takes it to the next level? I mean, that's an an awesome program. And, you know, I just have to ask really on a personal level a little bit. uh, My daughter just graduated from nursing school and she's taking a job at Duke. And her ultimate objective is to go back to anesthesia school. And, you know, obviously with, with my connections, my wife being a CRNA, we have kind of, we have a network of people, but, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see how that program works as well. So maybe we can talk about that at another date. Absolutely. I'll be glad to share anything with you about that. Good luck with her. Congrats on her uh, graduating, getting a job at Duke. That's going to be a wonderful educational uh, experience for her. And um, I know she'll do well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, what got you interested in mentorship, Richard? I'm sure that there's somebody somewhere along the line that helped you out, maybe was your mentor that made you think this was a good thing. So, Sharon, it goes way, way back. Um, I won't get into all of it, obviously, for sake of time, but even in high school or early college years, I wanted to initially get into the healthcare field. Uh, medical school was one thing I was looking at. Happened to have a physician that lived across the street from me, basically, who brought me under his wing, uh, let me be a surgical tech in the operating rooms, but guided me through a lot of stuff. And that helped me. The reason I got interested in nurse anesthesia was obviously we were in a one OR hospital, so all we had was nurse anesthetist. So I got to know him real well. Um, he talked to me a lot about anesthesia when I decided to go back and got into school. Our program director, Christy Williams, uh, was a great resource. Um, she always guided us. Um, she was not the easiest person in the world on us, which was great. Um, that worked well for me. Um, but as I look back, she always guided us. And then when I graduated, she kept uh, in touch with me. Uh, we kept in touch through the clinical coordinator position I had. And eventually she hired me on as an assistant program director to open the campus. All through that time, um, Sharon, this is what we did. We had zero resources here to start a satellite campus. We had no technology. We had no office. We had no Um, true plan uh, in the beginning, no classroom. And in six months, we had it up and running and ready to go. Now, the reason I say that is because what happened was in that time frame, I needed mentorship. I didn't have educational experience. I didn't even have leadership, true what they call leadership experience at the time, but yet I was starting a satellite campus and I needed somebody to help guide me. So Christy Williams, uh, Tab King, both were the program director and assistant program director, and they led me through a lot of and helped me get through a lot of the nuances of that. So they were great mentors for me. Brenda Timms, she is uh, was vice president of academics here at our facility at the educa- at the uh, clinical training site. She guided me through a lot of the administrative stuff. And then as I've kind of gone in to different aspects of anesthesia, whether it's been on a speaking end or whether it's been on a business end, whatever it be, there's many different people that as I keep reaching out, they're more than willing to help me, more than willing to give me advice and mentor me through this so that I can 
be successful. And I thought, you know, this is what I want to do. I want to give back in that way. I want to share those resources that have been given to me because I would have never accomplished half of what I did if I didn't have those people who bought into me, who gave me that mentorship, gave me that advice and just shared their time with me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I think back to my career as well. There have been people along the way who, you know, have always had their hand out and say, let me help you along the way. And, mm-hmm. and those people to this day still mean something because you realize they've gotten you to where the, you wanted to be and where you are currently. So did you ever have an experience, Richard, where, you know, a lot of times nursing gets a bad rap that, you know, they eat their young. Um, did you ever have an experience, Sharon, I know you and I have talked about this and I know you had several, um, but did you ever have an experience like that? And how did that kind of change the way you are today? Because I remember, and I've told this story before, but when I first got into this business, you know, I was interviewing and I had, um, an interview with a, a man who'd been in the business for a long time. And, you know, I, I've always kind of wore my hair up and it used to be longer and, you know, taller and so forth. And I'll never forget sitting in his office and I'll never forget it ever in my life uh, because I used it as motivation. But he said, you know, he said, you look well on paper. You've scored great on all the tests that you've done and so forth. He said, but the one thing you're going to have to do in order to make it in this business, you've got to cut that hair. You can't go around, you know, trying to be professional with hair that looks like that. And I remember that to this day, just as clear as a bell. And I thought when I walked out of there, I'll show you, I'll show you. And I never did it. And I've always worn my hair up and, you know, I've been just fine. But, you know, that what I realized is that was his opinion. That was not, you know, something that was going to affect me. It was just an opinion. So I wonder if you've had anything like that uh, along the way. So, um, yeah, there actually been two instances like that that really stick out. Uh, for me, Jeremy, and one of them is very, very similar to what you're talking about is when I was uh, a young um, guy, I was probably 22 at the time. I was applying to medical school and this was my second year of applications. I'd been waitlisted my first year and then I was applying for my second year uh, to go to anesthesia school. And there was this uh, professor that back then they did one-on-one interviews. So I went into his office, sat down with him. He had his file there. Uh, taking a look at everything and literally pulled his file out, looked at it and said, Hey, you just don't look the same in this picture as you do in person because we had to submit a a picture. I was like, Oh, okay. He said, yeah, you look like a little punk in this picture. Oh, snap. And I was like, um, okay. And at that point I obviously didn't know how to react being a young 22 year old trying to get into a professional um, degree. And that's, you know, the sounds that I hear. And I was like, okay. So I just went on through it, but that always stuck in my mind of kind of what he said. And it motivated me to a degree of, you know what, I'm going to show somebody that I'm better than what that is. Um, the other motivation, honestly, was not a negative experience like that. It was just when I didn't get into anesthesia school my first time. So I was waitlisted. My first time for anesthesia school, I only had one year of ICU experience. And so I got waitlisted for um, that program is when I got into the program, I had that mindset of, okay, you didn't take me the first year. I'm going to stand out my whole time in the program if I can to show that this is where I'm supposed to be. So I think there's something about those experiences that really 
have played into me and what I do of mentoring and guiding people of how do we take maybe some of our negative experiences that we have and utilize them for a positive purpose and utilize them to help drive us to who we are going to be. Attention all certified nurse anesthetists. Are you in need of a reliable and quality continuing education option? Well, look no further than crnaeducation.com. We are an NBCRNA recognized provider offering all four core CPC modules to meet your certification requirements. You can choose from more than 100 AANA prior approved Class A CE credits with 43 articles covering a wide range of anesthesia topics. Need pharmacology CE credits? Well, we've got you covered there as well with over 40 pharmacology CE credits available. All credits are completed online and are mobile friendly. Choose articles worth one, two, or three credits. There's no subscriptions, no hidden fees, just the CE credits you need when you need them. Owned by CRNAs since 2011, you can trust in our commitment to your education. And customer service is always a quick email or phone call or even text away. To sign up and find out more about our education options, visit crnaeducation.com, your partner in continuing education. That's crnaeducation.com. Well, on the flip side of that, you're you're taking the and I agree, negative experiences fuel me. It gives they give me energy. So, mm-hmm. I get that. But what about, you know, you can have great experiences. I'll never forget 1998, I had just won the PR award for the video, The Best Kept Secret in Healthcare. And back then, they had TV set up in the exhibit hall, and they just had the video playing, looping, playing all over the exhibit hall. And I'm standing there watching it, and this woman came up to me and started talking to me and said, you did this, didn't you? And I said, yes, I did. And she said, you're going to be AANA president one day. I just know it. Her name was Carol Deutscher. That's how, that's how I met Carol Deutscher. And so I always thought, okay, well, I can be AANA president one day because Carol Deutscher said I could. (laughs) (laughs) So you can also have those positive experiences. And I think what I hear you saying in the background is maybe we need to be the ones to provide those positive experiences for people through mentorship. And uh, obviously, Carol and I became great friends and she became a mentor for me. Oh, we absolutely do, Sharon. You know, I can't remember the first year I met you, but it was before you became AANA president. I remember you coming to Greenville to speak at an event that we had because we were hosting quarterly education sessions for all of our CRNAs in the uh, upstate and Sharon came and spoke. And if I'm not mistaken, I think you spoke on diabetes management and taking care of the patient with diabetes at the time. And you know, that was a positive experience that I had that played into, okay, as Sharon became president and I got to know more people, I'm like, okay, these are positive experiences I'm having by meeting these people, seeing where they're going in life and within the profession. And they played a positive role in my professional career. As I'm looking at, especially with this mentorship program that we have and with the students that I oversee within the clinical and academic setting, we're trying to encourage them with, Okay, yes, you're going to have some negative experience, but let's take these positive experiences you're having, right? 
when you are in the ICUs for this mentorship program. Uh, I'm going to tell you, positive experiences and feeding off of those are so huge right now. I was talking about this at a um, workshop I was doing over the weekend, Sharon, about um, the mental health crisis that exists here in America this uh, right now. And when we look at that mental health crisis, we're seeing depression and we're seeing imposter syndrome at the highest it's ever been. Um, within America and, and recognize. And so we as mentors need to be providing some of this. There, These kids, these trainees are already beating themselves up over what they can and can't do. They're already sitting here saying, I can't do this. Even after they get admitted, they're going, should I even really been admitted? So by us as mentors providing these positive re-encouragements for them, right? You're doing great. Let's look at some of the good things that you're doing. Let's see the positives. Then we're providing these opportunities for them to see themselves in a new light, to see themselves being successful. And those positive experiences are huge. When I graduated anesthesia school, again, I knew I wanted to do education, but did I ever think I would open a satellite campus and be an assistant program director and, you know, accomplish some of the things I've been fortunate enough to be a part of? Absolutely not. But I remember when I walked out of graduation, my mentor, my director at the time said, hey, when you get somewhere, I want you to be involved with our students in clinical training. And that's all it took. Once I did that, it took off from there and I got excited about it. So there's always those positive experiences that we're going to have that don't necessarily get recognized by everybody. That as mentors, we need to remind our trainees, we need to remind those that want to be in the profession and those that are just our colleagues that there are positive experiences and that's what we can feed off of. Oh, wait, before Jeremy, I got to jump in and tell this story real quick, (laughs) though. Going back to what you just said, Richard, I will never forget I was in my um, training and I had a terrible, terrible day. I missed an intubation and you're beating yourself up, right? And um, the CRNA that I had with me that day left me a note at the end of, of the day. She said, Whenever you go home, read this. And she said, you're going to be a great CRNA. Do not beat yourself up over this. I kept that note. I still have it. And whenever yeah. I won my election as AANA president, I made her a copy of that note and sent it to her. Because that day was pivotal to me in how I saw myself as a nurse anesthetist. And she changed that whole trajectory for me by not being negative and by turning it into a positive light. Her name was Dwine Roop, and I hadn't seen her in years until a couple of years ago, and they had made a big, her and her husband had made a big donation to Wake Forest, and they had a little reception, and I saw her, and it's the first time I'd seen her in years, and and I told her what she had done for me. So those experiences are pivotal. Mm -hmm. Yep. I even take my students, so I, as I'm usually counseling and uh, helping my students get through, especially that first semester that is so, so difficult in a transition from being obviously top in the nursing field mm-hmm. and, in your, and in your unit to now coming into a field where you thought you knew what an arterial line was, but now you're learning 99 different facts about it that you never knew. And it can be very frustrating for the students. Um, it can be very discouraging for them. So I even started where in a number of these students, I'll have them in the clinical area or in the academic area where they've struggled is I'll say, 
text me tonight and I'll tell them for two weeks, text me something positive every night. Text me something you've learned every night so that, again, we can create that mindset of, okay, yes, I may be struggling, but there are positives that are coming out of this. And so that we can change that mindset to say, let's not get into a uh, down spiral. Let's really look at how we're going to lift up and be better each and every day. All right, Jeremy, I'm so sorry, but I knew I'd forget it. No worries. No, it's all good stuff. I believe, you know, people need to hear this. And I mean, you know, our CRNA community definitely needs to hear this with the students um, because, you know, it's tough where they're at. I mean, obviously, Richard, you're right. I mean, they're they're coming in from nursing school and being ICU nurses into this amazing profession with smart, driven people. And even though they got into school, you know, a lot of times I don't think people see themselves like that. And um, back to your imposter syndrome, there's a group that does. There's probably a group that doesn't. There's a group that's in the middle. It's kind of lost. So I think I always break it down into thirds. You got a third of the class who really believes they should be there and they're, you know, they're on it. You got another third of the class who believes that, you know, they're probably shouldn't be there to your point and uh, somebody else should have gotten that spot and then in the middle they vacillate back and forth I should be here I shouldn't be here I should mm, you know so two-thirds of every class and I've been 20 plus years in, in teaching students and doing what I do um, you know I've recognized that so and, and Richard I guess it brings up another point for me is is there is a difference between mentoring and and teaching I mean those are two different things. I remember um, students down in Charlotte uh, I'd always go in there and, and teach their class and they had a particular CRNA that the students hated working with. When I say hated, they absolutely detested working. When he, when he came up and their clinical day was going to be with this particular person, uh, they didn't enjoy it. They didn't want it because the way he went about it was it was more of berating them instead of even teaching them. And he definitely wasn't being a mentorship. So what's the difference between the two in your mind? So really, when you look at that, Jeremy, and and talking about teaching versus mentorship, I mean, for me, teaching is truly just providing knowledge. That's all you're doing. So whether it's in the classroom and I'm lecturing and I'm giving them what uh, a PA catheter does or how isoflurane works or what's the best methods and techniques if you want to do an opioid-free anesthetic. You know, just providing that knowledge base that basically I'm going to test them on in the future. That to me is just teaching. You're just providing facts, right? You're providing knowledge. And you're not really doing anything but building up their brain and what they have inside of their brain. Uh, Mentorship is you're taking care of the whole person. So you're taking care of the brain, right? So you're providing, especially in this clinical setting scenario, you're providing knowledge base of how to provide the anesthetic. You're providing knowledge and providing experience on application of it. So in other words, how do you take what the theory was that you learned in the academic setting and provide that as an uh, in the clinical setting? Because we know they're a little bit different at times, right? So you're transferring that knowledge base and using it in an application uh, portion. Then we're taking the individual in itself and mentoring through skill sets and through how do you handle 
the conversations that happen in an operating room? How do you handle the discussions that need to happen? How do you uh, go through managing in a case overall from beginning to end and having conversations with them about not just their knowledge, but again, how do they provide the anesthetic? How do they handle the room? How do they handle the entire day? And so we're giving them more than just building up. So for teaching, you don't really have to have experience. Okay. So that's the way I look at it. To go into a classroom and talk about how isoflurane works or how uh, metoprolol works, I don't have to have experience with giving either one of those because I can read a textbook. I can provide that. We see pharmacologists who teach that stuff and they never have experience in, in giving that drug. In mentorship, you have to have experience. You have to have experience in the setting. You have to have experience in the operations of what happens there. You have to have experience in those um, providing that anesthetic. So that's the biggest difference for me is having that experience. Beyond the Mask is made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. With almost two decades of experience, the firm guides CRNAs through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Schedule a free consultation today by calling 855-304-3748 or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Well, when you talk about mentorships, do they have to be formalized to be successful or can they be informal? Oh, most of our mentorships, we focus a lot on formalized mentorships, Sharon. Within programs, we actually, within our DNAP program here at University of South Carolina, we are working on a project that is focusing on formalized mentorships whether it's between CRNAs and SRNAs or between SRNAs and SRNAs. In other words, uh, upper level SRNAs and our incoming freshmen. Um, and we focus a lot on that. And, then, you know, you've got all these papers, you've got all these research, you've got all these books that talk about mentorship. But some of the most meaningful mentorships are those that are informal. It's those that when you come into a clinical setting as a CRNA, you bond with um somebody who's been there five years and you just start talking to them and they're mentoring you through that department, those type of cases. It's that student that you didn't know that would be a mentor for you, right? You're a freshman coming in and you meet a, a student. It's those relationships we find at the meetings, uh, whether it was you've been obviously a mentor to me, that's an informal because we never signed a contract. Uh, or at least you didn't tell me we did if, if you made me. <laughs> it was um, an NDA. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I didn't realize we had an NDA. But, you know, we never we never formalized a mentorship, but I've reached out to you for many things. I've reached out to many others. Those are informal mentorship relationships I've had that have been key. I've had a lot more informals than I have formals, uh, to be honest with you. And that is key that we remember. Those informal relationships, those informal mentorships, or sometimes the biggest ones that have the most impact overall. Hmm. Interesting. You know, I'm just trying to think of, you know, what an actual formalized mentorship looks like. Um, I, I guess, you know, does A&A have a mentorship program, Sharon? Yeah, actually, Tracy Castleman started it, and it is, okay. uh, well, it's at, 
episodic uh, that could continue. And what I mean by that is it started at mid-year assembly. And actually, I think it started at annual Congress many, many moons ago. And they will pair CRNAs with students who are coming to the meetings. And you take them around, you introduce them around, kind of get them uh, used to our culture and and bring them into the fold. And these Mm -hmm. students wind up usually being presidents of their states. I I remember uh, Diana Heckla was with Tracy one year, and she wound up being president of her state pretty quickly. Julie Litton from West Virginia. So a lot of these students that are mentored actually go on and do great things within the association. I don't think that they followed them to see. It's just anecdotal, but it'd be interesting to follow them and figure that out and put a number to it. Now, Speaking of formalized mentorships, I am getting ready to embark on my first formalized mentorship. I've got a gal who reached out to me and I said, well, what do you want this to look like? And she's so very sharp and she sent me a Google worksheet with her um, (laughs) with her goals and things like that and formalized when we're going to be speaking once a month, which I thought was pretty cool. So it's, Sharon, Sharon, I'm gonna. We're not gonna mention anything about this, but I thought it was interesting how that relationship started. Yeah. Um. You know, she had reached out to you, and um, the way it was done was not proper, and you let her know that, and then she came back, and instead of um, kind of going back up into her shell, she said, "Well, help me, mm-hmm. help me do this right." And I thought that was a huge step in that scenario. So people out there that are listening, if it's students, you know, you might get some criticism from someone who is is mentoring you or saying you didn't do this right. But even when you do that, don't get offended by that. Take that as an opportunity to say, oh, explain to me how I should have done it. Um, and I thought that was great. I mean, I don't want to, you know, but I, but again, that says a lot about her personality Absolutely. as well. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Jeremy, as, you, as you're talking about it too, Jeremy, and I'll jump in here because that was something that I think is key too, is mentorship's not always rainbows and butterflies. It's not always <laughs> that I am looking for, I want to have you as a mentor because I know you're going to always tell me I'm doing great and you're going to always tell me that I'm perfect and that, you know, there's nobody better than me. Right. Uh, mentorship uh, is about a relationship. It's about, you know, not a one-time experience. In other words, I've guided many people on how to get into anesthesia school. I get many phone calls as being a program faculty member, um, as being in charge or um, associated with our interview and admissions committee, uh, many, many phone calls, right? And that's a one-time experience. That's not a mentorship. That's me giving you advice and we're moving on. Mm-hmm. The mentorship is all about that relationship. And in that relationship, you're going to have those experiences where, like you said here, that you say, hmm, we might not have handled that in the best way. And then that mentee looks back out and says, help me then. So you've mm-hmm. got that to be successful. You've got it on both ends. You've got to have a mentor who has experience and is ready to go and willing to go be a mentor. And then you've got that mentee who's willing to take advice. And once you see those two match up, it's one of the most beautiful things you can ever see in a mentorship relationship. When you get those two that match, the sky's the limit on what that person's going to achieve. Three, two, one. 
Hey, we have an exciting announcement for Beyond the Mask podcast fans. Coming up in November, the clinical series gets a facelift. We welcome Gary Bridges, the board of director at the National Board of Certification and Recertification for Nurse Anesthetists, and Terry Wicks, clinical assistant professor at the UNC Greensboro School of Nursing, to the Beyond the Mask family. They'll be your hosts for Anesthesia Alchemy, Terry and Gary Unplugged. Here are Gary and Terry to give you a tease of what's to come on their episodes. Hey, well, 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 folks, guess who's back in the podcasting game? It's none other than your favorite dynamic duo. <laughs> That's right, Terry. They can't get enough of us, can they? No, apparently not, Gary. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Anesthesia Alchemy, Terry and Gary Unplugged. We're your hosts, Terry Wicks and... Gary Bridges, the CRNA Dream Team. So we're here to sprinkle a little bit of laughter and a lot of anesthesia wisdom into your day and have some fun all along the way. Well, you know, Terry, we've got some exciting stuff lined up for our fellow nurse anesthetists out there and anyone else who actually cares to join us and learn a little bit about the tricks and tribulations of clinical anesthesia care. Absolutely, absolutely. We're going to take some deep dives into clinical anesthesia. We're going to tackle some tricky topics with humor and heart, and we're going to sprinkle a little bit of science in there with them just to be true to the art form. Well, and you know what, Terry? We might even throw some anesthesia jokes along the way, too. Oh, no, no, no. I can't believe it. Not you and me. Anesthesia jokes? Who would have thought? Well, we're all full of surprises. So, folks, sit back, relax, and get ready for some CRNA magic on the Anesthesia Alchemy Terry and Gary Unplugged. The first edition of Anesthesia Alchemy debuts on Tuesday, November 7th. And you can expect to hear this special series on the first and third Tuesdays every month. We can't wait to see what Gary and Terry have in store for us on Anesthesia Alchemy. Join us for that special series here on Beyond the Mask. Yeah, no, I think that's a really, really great point. And, um, you know, I guess the other side of this is, you know, how do you tell? I mean, you're an educator and a consultant. How, how do you define or find what's needed for successful mentoring? You have to stay active. You have to stay active in the groups that you're a part of. You have to realize as a mentor, you don't have it all. You don't know it all. We mentor within our consulting business. We mentor a lot of ICU nurses. Um, I haven't practiced ICU nursing in 20 years. Um, I don't know what the new protocols are. I don't know what the new education material is. I don't know the nursing programs uh, as much as I used to 15, 16 years ago. So I have to dive in and realize and seek advice from those that are in it and say, what do you need? What are the areas you're struggling in? Where can we go from there? Right. I mean, I have a lot of ideas possibly that I think you need, but if I'm just throwing out my ideas and saying, here's what you need, it may be completely opposite of what you need. And therefore I'm not being effective as a mentor. So to be effective in that, you really have to dive in and get to know the group. You've got to get to know them individually. Um, we were talking um, a little bit earlier, Sharon, and I were talking about generations and we can look at the millennial generation that we're training now and we can have all of these assumptions that go along with what society and social media tells us, but that doesn't exist for everyone, especially gets into anesthesia school. So when we talk about mentorship and the students come in and talk to me about what they need, we dive into the specific plans for them. 
can't say that all 13 need the same exact plan. So we dive into, so the only way really to be effective mentor is listening to them, diving into what they have and where they're at in their lives and in their training or whatever, you know, is needed there. And then using that to help guide your conversations, your tactics, your techniques, uh, the materials you give them to help prepare them, all of that plays into it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what are some of the qualities that you need to be uh, a successful mentor? I'm going to say both. I mean, Richard, I know we touched on this a little bit, but but not only mentors, but mentees. I think we need to say, all right, what are the qualities they need compared to the mentors as well? Yeah. So for a mentor, we'll start on the mentorship side. Uh, A mentor has to have experience. You cannot mentor guide anybody in something you don't have experience in, right? Um, I used this example the other day was I haven't done cardiac cases in eight years. I used to do open hearts. I used to do them all the time. Uh, I, I loved just going towards that area of practice. I haven't done them in eight years. So can I teach you how to do an open heart case? I can tell you the techniques. I can tell you the strategies. I can tell you the drugs. But can I mentor you in exactly how to do it? No. Um, can I mentor somebody in how to get into PA school and be successful in PA school? Absolutely not. I have no experience in it. But I have experience in anesthesia. I have experience in education. I can mentor you in how to do that. So one, you have to have experience. Second, we talked about it. You have to be willing to listen. Um, All mentorship uh, relationships are different. There is no question about that. So you have to be willing to listen. You have to be willing to realize and be able to assess what are the strengths and weaknesses um, of the individual I'm mentoring and how can I improve their areas that need to be improved and how can I build on their strengths? In other words, I don't want to take their strengths and say, congratulations, Jeremy, you're a smart guy. Your hair looks great. We're going to go with that (laughs) and we're going to sit with that and just be done with it. Right. We're going to talk about those strengths that you have and how do you even magnify those even more. Right. And use those for success too. So it's not just about building up the areas of improvement. It's about doing both. And we have to be able to know how to do both. You have to be able to stay current. You have to be able to commit time to it. This is not one of those we're going to do during my office hours um, and call me at nine o'clock in the morning. It may be that they can't talk to eight o'clock at night. It may be that you can't talk to eight o'clock at night because of your schedule. So we have to make sure that we put that time commitment into it also. And it's a learning process. Mentorship changes. Mentorship's changed over the last 20 years. Um, Tracy did a great job with developing that mentorship program, but I promise that they've probably modified it some and worked with it to make sure that it's not the same as it was 20 years ago because it wouldn't be successful at that point in time. It's got to evolve. The mentee side of it is you've got to be wanting to have a mentor. If you don't want to have a mentor, then all you're going to get is somebody talking to you and it's going to go one ear out the other. And it probably is going to even frustrate you or even make you mad at that point. So you've got to want to have that mentor. You've got to be open to those conversations, as we talked about a little bit earlier, that sometimes are not quite as comfortable as we all want them to be. And you've got to be wanting to learn yourself. You've got to want to be better yourself. Those are the biggest things I see in a menteeship side. And you've got to be able to commit, have time commitment on it. We, through our consulting business, have a lot of material within this um, mentorship program that we do that students do on their own. 
and they have to commit to doing that, that's a big deal. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, president of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists, inviting you to attend our 15th World Congress for Nurse Anesthetists, May 3rd through 6th in Brisbane, Australia. There is truly something there for everyone. Come hold the koala, kangaroos out of your hand, or if you're really adventuresome, climb one of the world's three climbing bridges. Australia has something for everyone, and I can't wait to see you there. Richard, uh, just a couple of follow-ups to that. One, um, let's let's get the name of your, your consulting business as well for maybe listeners out there who would be interested in, in knowing more about that. And we can put that in the show notes. Um, and then uh, I guess the other question that maybe some SRNAs who are listening to this that might not know is how do you find or seek mentors? All right. So um, to help find and, and seek mentors, that's going to be through a couple of different avenues. Um, I think one, you can um, contact the AANA. They probably can get you towards some people that may want to mentor. You can, if you are an SRNA, you can contact your state associations. Um, they sometimes have mentorship programs set up. If not, maybe you can, as an SRNA, encourage them and begin an S, uh, begin a mentorship program between CRNAs and SRNAs within your state. That'd be a great project for somebody if you don't already have that within your state. Reach out to your universities, to your program faculty. Uh, they always know those CRNAs who want to do mentorship or who would be great at it. I know a lot of CRNAs that are really, really great at teaching. They can provide a clinical education with the best of them. They're wonderful. Are they necessarily wanting to be mentors and wanting to develop time in them? No. I know several that would be wonderful at it. And I do guide students towards them and say, go speak with them a little bit more. So, and then keep your eyes open in the clinical settings. When you're in those clinical settings um, and you're looking for a mentor as an SRNA, find those ones that never mind you asking a question. Find those ones that possibly even come by and check on you when you are doing cases or when you're setting up the room in the morning and saying, hey, you got everything you need? Questions? Not the one necessarily that you're scheduled with that day. The ones that are just coming by because they're early and they're checking on you. Um, the ones that even outside speak to you. Um, they talk to you. Um, they check on you and they want to guide you. So those are all different ways to be able uh, to find those mentorships uh, and find those people that want to mentor. Cause that's the biggest thing. That's funny. I, I just held my phone up because I remember Sharon saying she walked into the, the break room uh, at the hospital one day and, you know, all these people are in there and everybody's on their phone. Nobody's talking. Everybody's on their phone and, and so mm -hmm. forth. And, and she said, how do you people communicate? Like, how you, do you, you know, learn from always... each other? Yeah. How do you learn from each other? And, it, you know, she's like, you know, everybody's on their phone and, and unless you're texting each other, you know, you're not communicating. So um, I think it's interesting to make sure that SRNAs out there are taking this advice, getting involved, talking to other CRNAs. You know, I know a lot of them do a great job at that, but I do see some that don't. They kind of shy back a little bit, but I think that's great advice. And, and Richard, what's the what's the name of your consulting business? Uh, CRNA School Prep Academy. Okay. So this was started by Jenny Fennell several years ago and has just bloomed and blossomed since then. And so we try to take them from nursing school or early in their ICU careers 
Um, our theory, and honestly, it's not about getting them into anesthesia school. It's about making them stronger applicants for anesthesia school. If we make you a stronger applicant, you'll get in. Yeah. And I think that's great. Jenny's done a great job with that. And I know you, a lot of people have been involved in it, you as well. And, um, you know, so we appreciate that out there and what you guys are doing. Thank and Richard, you. As we kind of wrap up here, anything you want to conclude on and, or leave our listeners with? No, just mentorship is huge. Um, our SRNAs and, and those wanting to go to anesthesia school are looking for it. We used to be in a society, to be honest with you, 20, 25 years ago, where don't bother me. I'm going to put my nose to the ground. I'm going to get it done and I'm going to move on. Right now, we have more and more and more looking for that mentorship. They're looking for that person that's going to help guide them. They want, they have this desire for knowledge, Jeremy and Sharon, that's unfathomable at times. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm like, you don't need to know that. They're like, no, yes, I do need to know that. Like a sponge. Um, yeah, it's really like a sponge. And I don't know if it has to do with the, you know, the uh, advancements in Google and social media and how the explosion of all of that, where, you know, compared to where, at least when I was in high school, Encyclopedia Britannica was all we had, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Is they want more and more and they feel like they can't get enough at times. And so they're always seeking new knowledge. If we don't mentor them, here's my theory about it. If we don't mentor these people, and they're talking about you, share myself, all these others that are CRNAs that have experience, they're going to find this information somewhere. Mm-hmm. We provide the correct, accurate information for them in our mentorships, right? If we provide, if we have a good mentorship. So that's what I want people to realize is that as a, any of us can be mentors, doesn't have to be formalized. There's informal mentorships. It can be every day. It can be once a month, but we need to be providing this for our next generation of providers, our next generation of learners, because like I said, I'm retiring at some point in time. You're not going to keep me here forever. We're all going to be retiring at some point in time. And we want that next group to advance it even more than what our current group of leaders has done and our current group of practitioners. And it takes everybody. It takes all CRNAs, all 63,000 of us, whether we think it or not, it takes all 63,000 of us to advance the profession. And we're all going to have different roles in that. A number of will need to be mentors. All, all great points. Well, Richard, thank you again for being on the show today. We really appreciate it. And thank you for all you're doing for the nurse anesthesia community and your students and kind of leading us into this next generation. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you all for having me. All right. Well, Sharon, I think it's a wrap. I think so. If people like our show, Sharon, and want to help us grow, how can they do that? Well, the best way to help us grow is to leave us a review, but make it positive. We all know there's way too much negativity in this world. Yes, there is. Tell all your friends, share us on social media. We're in the top 50 medical podcast in the country on the way to number number one, just like we are in the CRNA community. We're the number one podcast for CRNAs out there, and we'd love to be number one overall, but we can't do it without without our listeners. That's so. right. So thank you for listening, and until next time. It's a wrap. Hey, CRNAs, it's time to simplify your continuing education. Welcome to CRNAEducation.com, 
your trusted provider for CPC Core modules and a plethora of Class A CE credits. You can explore 43 detailed articles covering various anesthesia topics, all from your favorite device, anytime, anywhere. And with over 40 pharmacology CE credits, meet your state board requirements effortlessly. Whether you need a few credits or everything to recertify, we have what you need. Just complete your credits online without any subscriptions or recurring charges. You can trust in our 100% CRNA-owned platform, established in 2011, ensuring you receive the best in customer service and educational content. Ready to learn? Go to crnaeducation.com, making continuing education easy and accessible. And don't forget that support is always a quick email or a text or phone call away. To sign up and learn more, just go to crnaeducation.com. Today's show is brought to you by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services, customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment, or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible, and we would appreciate your support. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group.